racers to the starting line. Welcome to the goods. Brian is here. That's who I am. Dan is pulling up to the 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 starting mark as well. You out there, Dan? I am, Brian. How's it going? Good. Good. And we have a special guest here for episode 125. It's my brother Andrew. He's joined us a couple times before. I thought after last week we spoke with Dan's brother. I had to match up. So, Andrew, are you there? I'm here. Yeah, so where are you right now? I am in Orlando, Florida, more specifically Davenport, Florida. I'm glad to be back. And to remind the listeners, we were just talking about this off air. You you work at Disney World. You work at the Animal Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And what do you do there? I drive safari trucks. Um, I... I'm a safari guide on the Harambe Wildlife Reserve. I provide tours to up to roughly 32 every 20 to 25 minutes and show people lots of different kinds of African animals. Nice. When I'm not chasing Aaron Fector around Orlando. (laughs) And that's pertinent because the first time Andrew joined us was for episode 20, where we reviewed the documentary about the Rockafire Explosion which was the animatronic band that performed at Showbiz Pizza Place and then kind of morphed over the decade into the band at Chuck E. Cheese. So Andrew is a knowledgeable fan of Chuck E. Cheese and other pizza cam lore. Mm -hmm. So last week we watched Redline, among a couple other anime Uh, Shorts and features, those are the things that Will brought to our attention. And Redline brought another movie to my mind, because it was about a galactic race. People people go into space to race. And I thought, this is just like Chuck E. Cheese in the Galaxy 5000. You called it a movie that it made you think of, which may be a generous appraisal. Uh, it's about an hour long, so longer than a short. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you're right. It was more more connections than I expected here. And so, Andrew, tell us a little bit about what this film is. Well, to the best of my research, it's probably the longest of any of the Chuck Cheese media's. Is that fair to say? Probably of what I've seen. Yeah. Um, Produced primarily to be given away as a ticket stand prize, as far as I can tell. Probably shown in restaurants at some point, maybe in various segments, because I can't really see them just popping it on to play in the middle of birthday parties. But yes, um, it's Chucky and the gang, Munch's make-believe band, all of them. Plus, Charlie Rocket, this child, a uh, customer of the restaurant who needs some money, $50,000 specifically, (laughs) and he is really scratching his head as to how he's going to get it. That's right. That's our jumping off point. So this came out in 1999. 
which just for context, it says fall of 1999. So in spring of 1999, we had Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace come out. Uh, so I see a little bit of synergy there because, of course, that's got the pod race. Um, Ten years before Redline in 2009. So they uh, they may have cribbed some notes, perhaps. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they did not crib notes. That's just my guess. But yeah, and there's a wise old hermit who's like halfway between Qui-Gon Jinn and Yoda, except he speaks in, I think, an Irish accent, some sort of accent. So uh, I, I guess we'll get to him, but it, it's not just the pod racing. There's definitely some Star Wars flavor going on here. Mm-hmm. It's like when f- feeders cashed in on the popularity of Independence Day, although I think here they're doing it intentionally. <laughs> Which is what, to say that Feeders was not doing it intentionally? Well, I think they just made an alien movie that happened to be popular because of Independence Day. Oh, true. True, true. Yeah, that's why Blockbuster bought it up. So, Andrew, how did you find this movie? Well, going back to... What did you say? It was episode 20? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, back in 2012, I went into a bit of a K-hole. I don't know what you would like me to call it. That's acceptable. Just watching as much CEC or Showbiz Pizza. Well, it was Showbiz. What was the company called? Yeah. What? So there was, I think Showbiz was like part of the company name. You would know more, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Because what it, it was Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater and Showbiz Pizza, and then they like merged. All right. Yeah. Okay. So any of that, whatever I could find, I was watching all of it, consuming as much as I could. Um, Obviously, watch Chuck E. Cheese University, the salad make the pizza make, the game room. Pasquale's Pizza Kitchen. Mm-hmm. All of that. I like how you say that, like it's just material <laughs> that like any any normal human would know. Of course, that stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's part of the canon, Dan. But eventually, I came across a little movie called 0005 Xlag, something like that. And I was like, what is this? What could this be? And I opened it up and the description was just more gibberish. But it was a special little film actually called Chuck E. Cheese and the Galaxy 5000. Yeah, I really am a fan of that cryptic upload that is Galaxy 5000 backwards. 0005 Ixalag. And then in the description, it's what the character names all backwards. Mm-hmm. Presumably to avoid copyright detection. They're sly. I think YouTube's a little more sophisticated than that, though. Like they, I think they have sufficient algorithms to decrypt the. You put it in backwards. You stump the machine. But I don't think a lot of people are fighting to enforce the copyright on this one. I think that's more relevant. Yeah. It's got about six hundred thousand views. So there's a, there's a few people tuning in. That reminded me of something. So this is just a tangent. So I don't go too into too many YouTube rabbit holes, but 
one that I've been poking my head into for about six months now is basically uh, Weezer YouTube, specifically Buddy Holly YouTube, where people are doing like a million different riffs on the song Buddy Holly. Well, maybe that's not the right word because the most famous part of Buddy Holly is this like nine note riff that's at the end of the bridge. Anyways, you saying 600,000 reminded me of this. There's this one video that it's a few years old at this point, And someone just made like a very basic PowerPoint introduction to the band Weezer. And it's like the kind of thing that you upload to YouTube to like just that's the way you load it up on the computer at school or something like that. And somehow this got into the the Weezer YouTube algorithm. And now it has over 300,000 views and hundreds of comments. But one thing I like about Weezer YouTube is everybody's nice to each other and they're all like really encouraging. It's like this was a really informative presentation. Thank you for making it and sharing it with us and stuff. So it's not quite up to the 600,000 of uh, Ixalag 0005 or whatever, but it's uh, it's got 330,000, I think. So I like that. I was talking a couple episodes back about that Jurassic Park VHS video that I love to watch where it's just a guy stacking copies and copies and copies of the Jurassic Park tape. And that has 6,000 views, Dan. It's like nothing. Criminal. Ixal Ixalag has a hundred times more. <laughs> and so shall we go to space, gentlemen? Sure. Okay. So when this movie starts out, they're all in the dining room of a Chuck E. Cheese's restaurant. So it's been a little while since we explicitly talked Chuck E. Cheese, Dan. What is your background again with the franchise? Uh, I have been to it a few times. Um, I went as an adult to play skee-ball because there was one near the first apartment I, I ever had with my wife. And then... When I was a kid, of course, I remember going and yeah, I don't really have any special attachment to it other than through the prism of our conversations on the show. Right. So longtime listeners, we won't retread too much, but I had a birthday at Chuck E. Cheese probably when I was six. And then really the snowball into the fandom started rolling in 2012 when we became aware of the rock of fire documentary and then back in fall of 2021 we did a goods field trip down to meet aaron factor and tour the creative engineering defunct robot factory so we're we're connected we're plugged into this scene always happy to return to it uh 125 seemed like a good enough milestone to motivate it and also of course that we just watched another space race movie andrew any more to add about your chuck e cheese credentials um i have literally still had dreams about going to see aaron factor as of the past couple days even before you invited me to do this so even though i'm not with him in body i am always with him in spirit um, I do have a friend that actually got to work there at Chuck E. Cheese, not showbiz, but he worked there for a week or two to the point that he was allowed to wear the suit and then promptly quit 
And that's about it. Did he keep the suit? Maybe I said that the last time. He did not, unfortunately. Oh, so it wasn't like a con to get the suit. Yeah, just a con to put on the suit, sadly. He wasn't fully committed. What about, do you have any update on Aaron Fector? I need to read more of the emails. Dan graciously provided me with a year-long subscription to Aaron's Patreon, but I think I never, after the year elapsed, I don't think he ever kicked me off of it, so I still get updates. He has been moving out of the warehouse in Orlando, moving further out into Florida to a somewhat smaller place. Probably not substantially smaller, but obviously not exactly the same vibe. But yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, that's the big sort of news is he's not as, I mean, I think he still owns the warehouse. Does that sound right, Andrew? Or he's like piecemeal getting out of it? I think he said that. I think he said that he would cut costs by moving to a different place and renting out the warehouse. But I could be wrong. Because I think that's his deal right now is he, he just like, he doesn't do anything. He just hangs out there because he owns it. And so he just has to like find either reserves of money he already has or like a little bit of income to pay for uh-huh. his basic living expenses because he just has this big warehouse with this weird animatronic collectionist stuff there. It's not not a life you can shake a stick at. He's got <laughs> he's got it squared away. Um, I uh, on his YouTube channel, um, one passed across my feed not too long ago and he there's always drama with him you know in this in this case there the drama was he claimed his channel got hijacked by someone who had offered to do make a video for him or something and he said do not trust anyone who wants to help you with your services on youtube they can hijack your account just like they hijacked mine so there's your public service announcement from aaron fector don't don't let someone help you with your youtube content good to know but yeah Everybody's hanging out as one does in this Chuck E. Cheese dining room. I wonder if 4chan has ever done like the triangulation to determine which specific Chuck E. Cheese this was filmed in. (laughs) But it's very, you know, 1999. This time watching it, I recognized and Andrew shouted it out too that somebody pulls out a TV remote and it's the exact same TV remote we had in 1999. Oh, wow. It's like the same same model of JVC television. So this scene has kind of a strange energy because Pasquale brings this child named Charlie Rocket to the table of Chuck E. Cheese himself. Chuck E. Cheese is there like holding court. It's very like, the opening of the godfather <laughs> this is you go and you see the godfather and you make your request on the day of his daughter's wedding <laughs> it is like that's really funny i'm just imagining like the shadowy marlon brando face like with him gauze in his mouth mumbling about you come to me on my daughter's wedding day except it's Chuck E. cheese with his fake brooklyn accent yeah so pasquale says you guys know charlie rocket right And Chuck E. Cheese says, yeah, we've seen you around. (laughs) Yeah, it it really seems like like Goodfellas or something. You've always dreamed of being a gangster. Now, here's your chance. You got to, you know, not screw this up. You got to make a good impression on the capo. 
And what Charlie Rocket says, like Andrew mentioned, he needs $50,000 because his aunt and uncle had their tractor breakdown and they're not going to be able to run their farm without a tractor. And so the solution is to go to space and enter an outer space race. I feel like there's a difference between the levels of technology that we're talking about here. It's like broken tractor on the one hand and interstellar travel on the other. You can't prepare yourself for this. It's it's like 200 seconds into the movie. Okay, we're like barely three minutes in. And the, here are the leaps of logic we've gone. First of all, this kid brought out to the Chuck E. Cheese table. And then, okay, what's up, kid? My aunt's tractor broke. Okay, well, wh why are you talking about that at a birthday party to Chuck E. Cheese? I don't know. And then, okay, you need $50,000? What what kind of repair is this on your tractor? Are you sure you're not like in deep with the mob or something like that? And and then immediately, like without oh, it's like just the most intuitive solution possible. Hey, let's let's use this Italian chef's teleporter to go to a planet called Orion for a gladiator pod race. Of course, that's exactly the, the logical solution right now. <laughs> yeah. Pasquale is a big wheel in this whole operation. Like, who knew that the Italian stereotype pizza chef had a past life as a pod racer? And he's talking in like the it's a me Mario spicy meatball Italian voice, even though he's clearly just an American actor. <laughs> and all the characters are in like walk around suits as they would normally be, except Pasquale is a human actor. So with the big people, fake mustache. Yeah. yeah, people who have watched a lot of the content will know that typically he has had a suit too, like. Uh, think of like uh, Geppetto or Captain Hook at Disney World, where they're humans, but they still have like a cartoon head over their human head. Mm. Uh, but here you can see his face. He's a he's a face character. He's kind of like Tom Bombadil or something, except he's he's got like these, I don't know, this multidimensional existence of some sort. Yeah, especially in this one. He seems to like be more and know more than he's letting on. So, yeah, Pasquale is Tom Bombadil is not too far of a reach. <laughs> so, yeah, Pasquale takes him like into the next room. Well, OK, not right away because they got to sing a song because this is a musical. And so there's like a, a rinky dink uh, piano music that starts up and Chucky does this song and dance called The Galaxies for You and Me. And everybody in the restaurant gets up and starts dancing around. And I wanted to just open the door to say, shout out anytime you see an actor who's like really into it. And just, you know, <laughs> let's let's give these actors their due, because who knows if they were ever in another project. Yeah. But there's this guy with like a ponytail, like hair way pulled back, uh, dancing in this Chuck E. Cheese dining room during the galaxy for you and me. And I wanted to acknowledge him and his ponytail. But then Pasquale brings them to his awesome adventure machine, which is this teleporter that's going to take them to the planet they got to be at. I feel like if you have an adventure machine, you shouldn't have to tell people that it's awesome. <laughs> it's built into to having it. Yeah, I, 
it's an adventure machine. It it shouldn't have to like boast. You know, it should be able to prove itself. The adventures should speak for themselves. Just a wild opening nine minutes to this movie, because then you go to you have everything I was already talking about, and then the musical, and it's like, what what's going on here? Why is everybody singing all of a sudden? For some reason, the whole why is everybody breaking out into song thing really stuck out to me in this one. Every single time it happened, I was like, why are we singing all of a sudden? That's out of the blue. Um, there are there are a lot of songs. Yeah. And what this kind of reminded me of in the sense of it's a direct to VHS special that you can purchase at the restaurant. There was a series of VHS tapes coming out of McDonald's at this point in time called The Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. Have you ever seen any of those, Dan? No. Okay, well, someday. We'll we'll have to talk (laughs) about that. But they are just chock full of mediocre songs, too. Okay. They were done by the animation team that did uh, Rugrats and Wild Thornberries, so Klasky Shupo. Okay, yeah, yeah. First season of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Anything to add at this point, Andrew? Um, I just remember seeing lots of trailers for the Ronald McDonald, the Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald on various tapes. I feel like maybe even on some VeggieTales tapes, but I might be making that up. Not particularly. I'm along for the ride. Cool. And so after they go through this machine, and while they are there using the machine, just the entire remainder of the movie is green screening the characters into these CGI environments. If this is really 1999, it doesn't look too bad with that in mind, but it's like simplistic, basic CGI, very fake. You know that they're not where they claim to be. It seems pretty good though for like Chuck E. Cheese. That's a great point, actually. You know, with the resources they probably had at their disposal, I honestly think, I mean, if you said this was 2005 or 2007 or something, I would buy it. It doesn't look too terrible. Leaps and bounds and just orders of magnitude above what we saw in after last season. (laughs) No question. Yeah, I was about to come to defense of the CGI, too. I mean, it is bad. Listen, it's not good, okay? But given how grainy the VHS renders and, yeah, the clear budget comparison, I mean, the characters are just dudes walking around in suits whose appendages don't really move and, like, their faces hold completely still. So it's not like we're going to something from photorealism to uncanniness or anything like that. Like it, it feels in line with it and it's, it's bad enough that it's like, it never threatens to enter immersion. So it's not like I'm immersed and all of a sudden unimmersed, you know? Right. Yeah. You don't have to worry about your disbelief because it was never suspended. (laughs) Exactly. The favorites to win this galaxy 5,000 are these two these two bodybuilder guys named Peter and Ivan and they are clear knockoffs of Hans and Franz from SNL which was probably an outdated reference even in 1999 like they were like early 90s characters uh, who were of course mocking Arnold Schwarzenegger oh interesting i did not know that SNL character 
that SNL duo. I mean, they just look like Germans out of a bondage club. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they were filming Kick Heart and then they came and they did this. No, they, uh, yeah. Hans and Franz, this is the whole shtick. They're like, pump iron. Were you familiar with Hans and Franz, Andrew? Um, not exactly. I do have some information on Ivan, a very slight amount of information. But oh, really? What do you got? Well, just, I mean, I don't know if we're going to go more like outside of the story after this, just like the production and everything. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, so you'd rather do that after we get through the plot? Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, Hans and Franz, uh, when I saw them last, I think, was when we went to Disney World in 2004 and we saw Cranium Command, which was uh, a show that they would do at Epcot, which was discontinued when the Body Wars Pavilion closed which was like not too long after 2004. And so the things in there had been around longer than that, like since the 90s. And there was this attraction. Uh, Pete Doctor was involved with it. And it is about pilots inside somebody's brain and like working to regulate the different body systems from this cranium command control room. So very clearly like the forerunner to Inside Out. But anyway, this show had like a bunch of 90s celebrities in it. And so there was like an appearance by Ernest and uh, a few others, but Hans and Franz were in there. The most famous people of the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Ernest and Hans and Franz. (laughs) Uh, But... Peter and Ivan here in this movie, they go by Team X and they're like favorites to win because they consistently win because they can travel at a speed called Vega 2. And who knows what that means? What is a Vega? (laughs) Is it a unit of some sort? I don't know. It's like Mach 2, but Vega 2. Yeah. So I guess this is like space speed, way faster than Mach, maybe. And there's controversy over how they are able to travel Vega 2. And they're cagey about it. They're not going to give away what what's their secret weapon that lets them go that fast. This movie is weirdly horny. Yes. Uh, I don't know when the best time to say that is, but <laughs> after we introduce Ivan, seems like the right moment. Um, so Helen Henny, let's, let's talk about the party of Chuck E. Cheese regulars. So, Andrew, you want to just run us through the the key quad of Chuck E. Cheese friends? Alrighty, I can do that. I mean, you started off with Helen. Yeah. She's the thicky. She's potentially Chucky's slam piece, but we'll get into that later. Um, there's Jasper T. Jowls. He's the southern guy. He's a dog. Very like particularly hard southern accent on this movie like he sounds like i don't even know just very very heavy southern accent and then there's munch who's not a great he's something different altogether 
he's just a monster. Yeah, he's the grimace. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, serious grimace energy. What What's the dog's name again? The one with the southern accent. Yeah, Jasper T. Jowls. His main thing seems to be that he smells bad. Like that was the character definition going into this movie. It comes up like four times that he smells bad. I thought he was saying that Munch smells bad. Oh, oh, was it? Re- okay, gotcha. Because he like kept having to sit with Munch or like get squashed by Munch, and he would always say that it smelled bad. Okay, so maybe it's just that he's a dog with sensitive nose. He can smell the people around him. Okay. There you go. Yeah, he. I feel like he's doing a Mr. Haney accent in this movie, but Mr. Haney is just a... From Green Acres. Okay. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. like Pat Buttram. Okay. I was yeah. thinking for a second of Principal Haney from Arthur. But no, you're oh. right. He, I can I can picture Pat Buttram. And then there's Pasquale, of course. We talked a little bit about him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Helen, the sole female character, is into Chucky, uh, who is, like, oblivious, I guess. It does seem like he flirts with her when he gets his racing duds. He's like, hey, look at my racing duds. But um, other than that, he he seems oblivious, I guess. Yeah, then there's part when she's laying atop of him and he's like, can you move? And she's like, uh, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they linger there in the like the anime meet cute. Oh, they fell on each other. And then, of course, as soon as Peter and Ivan arrive, they're flirting with the chicken woman. Yeah, they immediately want to have sex with the chicken for unclear reasons. I guess she's attractive to them. <laughs> I mean, it's outer space. Who knows what the rules are? That's a good point. You're used to other life forms. Yeah, we can't... Making it work for you. We, yeah, we can't judge. We don't know the standard. But they also have slightly ulterior motives that we haven't gotten into yet. Yes, as we will learn, this is deep. We, we, you, you know, there's layers to it. But they head to Pasquale's old stomping grounds where they acquire his space racer, which is called the Songbird. And I guess it's a hunk of junk. Hard to tell, really. I mean, like to know whether one is good or not. I, we don't. We haven't seen any other spaceships at this point, so it's not like we know if there's good ones or bad ones. It's just a spaceship. I guess we know from context clues that by looking at it, we're supposed to detect that it's it's a clunker. Right, but he's got a folksy mechanic named Flapjack who helps him get ready, and then they go and do this like preliminary race. I don't know too much about auto racing, so like I don't really know how the preliminaries and qualifiers and things like that work because Chucky doesn't do very well in this one and he's still around for the final race so I I don't know maybe this is just for you know practice who knows yeah because I think doesn't their ship like wreck in this this first race or something happens are they able to finish I kind of lost track they don't win it's hard to follow Yeah, it was not clear to me either. I was too preoccupied with what's going on between the mouse and Astrid here, who I guess we haven't brought her up yet. Sorry. Okay, well, talk about that. Yeah, so 
so basically, I think it's around the time we meet the other characters, the the bodybuilders who are the the bad guys. Yeah, it's like as soon as they get to space, this where the race is happening. Right. We meet a couple of other key characters within a couple of minutes here. So one is Astrid, and it's not clear what her role in general is. Like if if Chuck E. Cheese and the guy who needed $50,000 for a tractor didn't just appear on the planet, like what would she be doing? I don't know. But she's immediately there, and I guess she's like a groupie or something because she's immediately like, oh, I guess you can go fast, Mr. Chuck E. Cheese Mouse. Uh, and then like starts flirting with him but even before then like they're doing the goo goo eyes out of um like what's the name tex avery the guy the wolf who's who uh watches the the dancer on stage the cartoon and basically like all of the male characters are doing this towards astrid and i was like why did they do this in a movie for kids it's so weird (laughs) and then like i don't know it's like you don't quite have the scene where it cuts to Chuck E. Cheese and Astrid in bed and they're smoking a cigarette. But we have like the nine year old version of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of that is correct. The top review of this movie on Letterboxd. Let's see. Perhaps the most sexually charged film I've seen in a while. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Astrid is a groupie. She was basically just having her sights set on hooking up with a racer. Any racer, if you're in the race, you know, preference if you do well in the race. So if you're not going to do well, that's a stumbling block. But as long as you got a car and you're in this thing, you're in with her. And Helen Henny is not down with this. This frustrates her. And so she goes off and sings this, like, pining love ballad on top of a tower and her mouth doesn't move while she sings like chucky his mouth seems to move pretty well in comparison i think nobody else's mouth really moves yeah this was the num the song where i was like what what the hell is going on right now it's like the song comes out of nowhere and uh, the illusions that she had been in love with him had been like very subtle to this point. And now it's like a full out emotional longing for Chuck E. Cheese. She's in love with Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Charles Entertainment Cheese. Isn't that what the E stands for? That's right. <laughs> Charles Erotic Cheese. <laughs> but anyway, things go south in this race. Team X prevails. In this qualifier thing, uh, we see them like fill their cabin with some kind of gas and that like powers them up. So, of course, this was making me think of in Redline, you know, they have those what the nitrous capsules or whatever that they can drop oh, yeah, in the yeah. engine. The little and things they wear in their necklace. Yeah, that's their special speed boost. But they're like uh, huffing it, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. What's so that is up with that. That's weird because how like all the terminology that they use and like the way that they're secretive about what they're doing is that this is like steroids that they're doing. But how do you use steroids in a car race? Like your body doesn't need to go faster. Your car needs to go faster. Uh, But actually by the end of the movie, I thought they did a good job explaining this. (laughs) I didn't catch that, but let's, let's hear your, your explanation. Okay. Because, 
Uh, when Chucky attempts to go Vega 2, he like passes out. Like mm. he can't, he, his senses don't process fast enough. And so when you huff the secret gas, it like accelerates your ability to process things. And so they're able to like manipulate the controls and stay conscious even at that high speed. Okay. So I thought they at least addressed it. You know, whether you want to buy that or not is up to you, but. There's a reasonable headcanon for it. Right. And so, yeah, after they lose this middle of the movie race, they're like all the characters are soul searching. Helen Henny goes off with Peter and Ivan. So she's with them now and Astrid is with Chuck E. Cheese and they're hanging out like in their own lairs. Uh, Chucky and Astrid are at this like 50s soda shop and Helen is with Peter and Ivan at their evil villain like castle where she meets their boss whose name is Dr. Zoom. <laughs> When, when Dr. Zoom came on screen, I got that weird tingle in the back of my head. I was like, uh-oh, a character is now about to enter my lexicon, like to use in life. This is someone I'm going to remember right here. I, I made some notes and I, I typed Dr. Zoom in capital letters. I didn't have any reason why, but I knew that I, this was going to be someone who's going to stick with me. Well, I'm glad because I thought essentially that same thing he's got a great outfit he's just got like this mark twain suit and like a panama hat and a cane he's almost like a uh, hammond who runs jurassic park oh interesting when i saw him i was like he's gonna talk in an outrageous accent and then he goes i don't even know what his line is like hello i'm dr zoom and he just says it in like a very straightforward voice <laughs> with all the crazy voices that we've seen so far in the movie uh but the team x lets slip that their secret is they have this stuff called zoom gas made by dr zoom and zoom gas will make you go fast as it says in the song uh, of course we get a song um this is my favorite song in the film. Oh, you like Zoom the Zoom Gas one? Well, how could it not be? <laughs> Zoom Gas. It's one of a kind. Zoom Gas. And soon you will find Zoom Gas. You'll leave the others behind. Good stuff. Yeah. There's one element of this whole reveal that baffled me here. So it, here's what happens. So we see Helen Henny. She goes up to the two German guys and she says, wow, you guys are good racers. And they say, yeah. And then she says, do you have a secret? First of all, like a very weird way to frame this inquiry. Do you have a secret? And then they say, why, yes, we do. And let us tell you about it right now. And then they tell her about it. Zoom gas, whatever. And then immediately they're like, well, now we have to kill you because you know our secret. But I was like, wouldn't it have been much easier to just say, no, there is no secret? I, I don't know. Well, there's a couple pieces to this. Yeah, th there's layers, I know. Because dur during the song, they also say that somehow Zoom gas is made from extract of chicken. <laughs> so... And and juice is involved. I guess the, the extract comes out as juice, but then somehow they get a gas from the liquid. Who is knows? Like we don't purified. They're going to stick the chicken in the purifier type. 
Is that what extracted chicken means? Yeah, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's like mechanically separated chicken. That's the top ingredient in Slim Jims. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's probably some kind of distillation process. I'm, I'm wondering how they go from the liquid to the gas. We don't see it happen because she's able to escape. And, oh, and she briefly has is like locked into a prison, which has like a bunch of real life chickens walking around. And I was like, this. Why would you immediately think she's a chicken that has the same chemical properties she doesn't look anything like these other chickens also you can just breed those other chickens why do you need to elaborately seduce this one chicken to get her her juices her extracts andrew do you have any additional insight into the chicken extract process i mean her last name is henny that's true is a big old female hen so like She's got something going on. I can see why they would want her. Oh, yeah. maybe it's like a genetic engineering thing. They need what makes this this one hen so big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah Dr. Zoom even has like a little soliloquy where he says, she'll make a whole gallon of extract. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, she's able to get out of this cage and clonk Dr. Zoom on the head. I want to say that my favorite line in this whole movie, um, when they tell Helen Henny that they can't let the secret get out, he says, loose lips sink ships. And she says, but I don't have lips. And he says, well, loose beaks cause leaks, oh. which sink ships. <laughs> he was ready. That's it's a brilliant line. Like, I hope the screenwriter at least moved on to bigger and better things. Um, but eventually everybody kind of comes back together, I guess, in the midst of this soul searching, you know, middle nadir part of the arc. Chucky is out in the wilderness on this planet and he runs into a guy who looks exactly like Pasquale, but is apparently not Pasquale because he has a caricatured Scottish accent instead of an Italian accent. And he's got a big wig, like a caveman, wild man wig. And he says he's the hermit who's going to help Chucky train to be ready for the next race. And this was my second favorite line of the film because he says, hermits are known across the galaxy for being able to help you reach your potential. That's what separates us from bums. <laughs> So yeah, a bit of Star Wars here in the mix too. And of course this triggers a training montage. Did you have any thoughts on this song or this process of getting ready? What was going on? So one is Chucky has to run on like a hamster wheel, which makes sense because he's like a big mouse man. Oh, oh, this is that's right. And then it's like he's got to jump from platform to platform like it's a Mario game or something. Right. And he has to do whack-a-mole because he lives at an arcade. So yeah. it's like all, you know, things that come naturally to him. And then, of course, he's waxing a car like Karate Kid. And he's like, why am I doing this? And Pasquale slash not Pasquale says, I needed my car waxed. <laughs> Playing on the tropes here. Right, right. Very meta cinematic, very aware. But the time rolls around for the big race. And everybody is in it, you know, reunited. Uh, Helen got away from her captors and let 
Team Chuck know that they're cheating. They got the zoom gas. And I guess because he trained, Chucky is able to get up to Vega 2 now. Did you guys notice anything else that allowed him to just do that now? Can't say I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's now capable of of going Vega 2. But of course, so are Team X. They've been doing it all along. So they're like evenly matched now. You got perfectly symmetrical violence. Uh, And so they need some new boost to be able to prevail. And of course, you got to have another song where Chucky is like, can I overcome my demons? <laughs> it's like, can I believe in myself sufficiently to reach Vega 3? Just like, I, I don't know, you know, is this like a logarithmic scale? Does it, is it like exponential? You know, is is Vega 3, is that one more than Vega 2? Or is it two times Vega 2? Or is it 10 times Vega 2? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> it's a well, question. <laughs> but they're able to do it. Believe in yourself and you can overcome the sound barrier, I guess. The Vega barrier, yeah. And so they win Team Chucky. And then these like cartoonish Keystone cops, who I guess have jurisdiction in space, come and apprehend team x for their roid rage antics something occurred to me here around the end when we get some zoom ins on dr zoom and he's like lounging back and he's holding his cane so it's like he's got a cane i was like hold on he's got a cane that's weird and then his hat so you compared him to who did you compare him to i already forgot i was thinking hammond from jurassic park right right. he's, he's not quite as old i I'm thinking he was like stylized like a pimp or something like that. So does he have some sort of side business going on that's unrelated to Zoom gas? I don't know. Oh, wow. Now, I like that idea that there's this he's you know, he's stirring a lot of seedy intergalactic pots. So, yeah, (laughs) there's some there's some chicken trafficking going on. Right, like the mafia, they what do they do? Well, they distribute drugs. Okay, so we've got something huffing here. They rig sports. Okay, we're doing that here. And then inevitably they get into prostitution too. So I think that's like the third prong of his criminal enterprise for Dr. Zoom. Wow, you're blowing this whole thing open. I think, yeah, you're right. The subtext is there. But now our good guys have triumphed. And our bad guys have been captured. They've been comeuppanced. And so everybody has a brief little dance party. It's just like balloons fall from the ceiling and they break into one more song. And then, like, before that song is even over, the credits start rolling and another song starts. And this was, like, at least to me, seemed like a totally different musical flavor than the others. It's like a country single. Uh, with religious tones because it's called help from above it's like get by with help from above uh did you have any thoughts on this i like this one it's kind of like a hoedown number but they're all cheering and i was wondering if that the help is it hope from above or help from above on the wikipedia article it calls it a little help from above by ashley c Katz and brett klein 
Oh, so maybe I'm getting it mixed up with We Did It, which is the the celebration song. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I did like that it ended with a rousing musical celebration. It's like at a at a Chuck E. Cheese, you blast music where uh, you sing happy birthday to the kid at like the apotheosis of the birthday party. It's like music is the way that you celebrate. My my fan theory about what's going on here is that um, Tyler, is that his name, Tyler? I already forgot. Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Rocket. He, in 1999, he, he got invited to a birthday party of his friends, okay? So he went to go see Star Wars Episode One. And then after that, they got dinner and they hung out at a Chuck E. Cheese where he got to see the animals and play some of the games. But the pizza gave him food poisoning while he was there. So he went home and he like got a really bad fever and fell asleep and was like in this horrible, like mental delusional fever dream state. And like everything about being 10 from like your very first prepubescent urges blending with like the star Wars influences that are on your brain and the Chuck E. Cheese stuff in your brain merging into like one bizarre fever dream. That's what I think is going on. I don't know where the tractor came into all this, but that that's my, my uh, head cannon, my, my theory on this one. <laughs> I like it. I am still noodling on your, your very astute comment that why is Chuck E. Cheese the person you would go to if you need $50,000? <laughs> Uh, but I guess it worked out in the end, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, by the way, we haven't said it, but like Charlie's just hanging out this whole time. He's just chilling with with the, the gang. Yeah, he does nothing. I mean, I guess he asked for the money and so then they go and get it for him. So he's he's not very much of a character. He's more of like an inciting incident. What is he doing when the mouse is making out with a groupie? That's what I want to know. Is he hang- <laughs> is he in the same room? Yeah, unclear. And we never see the aunt and uncle. We don't see him get home and buy the tractor. They never leave space. They just win the race and then the credits roll. It's kind of like in Titanic. You know, you you realize over the course of the three hours that you don't care as much about uh, Bill Paxton anymore. I was more invested in the tractor than ever. I was like, they're going to these lengths to get this tractor. I need to know what kind of crops are we going to get out of this? We got to wait for Galaxy 5001, I guess. Maybe it's part of the Chuck E. Cheese ingredient syndicate. It's like the the farmers actually like plow the grain that goes into the pizza dough or something. Oh, so really it's not uh, completely unselfish. It's right. Chuck, e, Chuck E. needs them to keep his enterprise going. We're back into the Godfather territory. They got to pay their tributes. The time may come when I ask a favor of you. <laughs> I have one more uh, letterboxed review that I found that I wanted to read. And I, I should probably credit the whoever wrote this review. Um, maybe I'll, I'll toss it on the Discord. But by the way, you can join the Discord at thegoodsfilmpodcast.com. But here here is what this review said. Screeching atonality in a realm of barren ruins, simultaneously oversexed and entirely devoid of genitals. Nightmare acts of violence always on the verge of breaking out are contained by a terror far greater. Witness a glimpse of hell in Chucky's eyes as his chicken girlfriend implies she's going to get Eiffel Towered by two brawny German himbos. 
What more do you need to say? <laughs> that was poetry. That's Galaxy 5000. So that's the storyline anyway. Um, let's talk about things on the periphery if we haven't done that already. So, Andrew, it sounded like you had some supplementary material to cover. Um, yes, let me look at my notes. Nothing too crazy, but so apparently the movie was, well, it was distributed by Funimation, produced or directed or whatever by CEC Film and Video, but people involved with Funimation did a lot of the voice acting and Funimation eventually became Crunchyroll as of recently. So Basically, everybody was involved with dubbing American anime. What? So, like... It's an anime movie? Basically. So, like, all the voices are people that voice Dragon Ball Z characters and stuff. Or, I mean, people in the suits and actual people on screen, apparently. They're all linked to American anime dubbing. At least. Yeah, I remember Funimation would do like the dubs of uh, like Sailor Moon and stuff. All the all the big, you know, imported anime shows back in the 90s that they would like sanitize so that American children would not be scandalized. Uh-huh. That's really interesting. So there's more of a connection perhaps to Redline than we thought. <laughs> and then the only other thing was that the guy that, well... This is based on, like, two-paragraph articles on the Chuck E. Cheese wiki for this movie. But Rob Flanagan, who allegedly... Well, there was a Rob Flanagan that played Ivan. um, And he was... There was also a Rob Flanagan in season two of The Apprentice who was fired the first week. But they credit that same one as being the one that's in the movie. <laughs> so was that when um, Trump was hosting? Uh, I think so. Wow. Yeah. So one degree of separation from the president of the United States. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a hell of a cameo if Trump had just walked. <laughs> what if Dr. Zoom had been Donald Trump? <laughs> It, he wasn't <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a you know it would have been good i would have watched i i liked the guy they had for dr zoom but yes uh and you said you looked up i guess a few of the names in the credits right yeah i looked up galen Bayea, yeah who played charlie rocket i found a couple facebook accounts the first one that pops up looks most like him and his is the most locked down of any Facebook account I've ever seen. <laughs> you can't even, like, most private Facebook accounts, you click on the profile picture, it enlarges, but you can't see comments, you can't see likes, nothing like that. You can't go past that one. His, you can't even open it. It just says, this account is locked, or some something like that. Wow. You can't look at the picture. Very weird. So... <laughs> There must be other people out there like me or something that would have led him to do that. (laughs) The people need to know what Charlie Rocket is up to. (laughs) It's in the public interest. 
I want a reunion film. Get the whole cast back together. Oh, man. We're coming up on, like, the 25th anniversary in, uh... Dr. Zoom might be dead for all we know. (laughs) 2024. So, one more thing about Dr. Zoom that I love is after he has sung the Zoom Gas song, like, the next time we see him, he's just shuffling around his lair... Like, I read it as maybe he was drunk or something, but he's, like, (laughs) staggering around going, Zoom gas, make you go fast, zoom gas. He's just, like, muttering snippets of the song to himself, and Helen sneaks up and hits him with a frying pan. Uh, But I like the idea that he just walks around his, his building all day, like, muttering his zoom gas song. His song to himself. Yeah. Maybe he wrote the song. It was like to sell his product. It's like a jingle. No. <laughs> the jingle that reveals all your trade secrets. Yeah. So do, do we have other things we want to say about this hour long film? Uh, comparisons, perhaps to Redline. I don't think I have anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Do you think it was, did you see any connections with what we watched last week? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, so first of all, it's a space race movie with wacky characters competing against each other. So immediately you're like three quarters of the way there to be in the same movie, like being a remake, basically. And then you have first the preliminary race that goes bad, but then you kind of have to squeak it out at the end and instead of like the two princesses and what's the name of the robot guy who ends up being the main competitor in Redline machine head you have these german guys and no funky boys in this one no biological weapon conspiracies at least on the surface i mean you can maybe say that that's what dr zoom zoom gas is but it's not clear but it does have like that element of corruption. Like there's this uh, kind of organized crime going on potentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes maybe without saying, but this one looks like ass compared to Redline. So. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, it's knockoff pod racing, just like uh, just like Redline. Yeah, that's all right. And as far as like not so good things. Uh, the budget is low. The production values are low throughout. Although, I mean, you got to bear in mind, CGI in 1999, honestly, it doesn't look too bad. All things considered. It's a product of its times. Uh, but also, like, why does this exist? What was the market for this? I don't know. Good question. Like, I guess product to get you to come back to Chuck E. Cheese to try and rack up those tickets. Right. Just boost character recognition, establish your IP, keep your regular users hooked. Make you think you're going to have a big adventure if you go to Chuck E. Cheese, most especially (laughs) if you're in deep debt and need to find a way out. (laughs) I looked up the actor who plays Dr. Zoom on IMDb, by the way, his name. His name is Jackson Kane, which is an awesome name. Yeah. And this is the bio. This is the complete bio. Jackson Kane is known for Chuck E. Cheese and the Galaxy 5000. <laughs> there we go. That's our bio of Jackson Kane. 
yeah. Anytime I watch a project like this, a direct-to-video thing, I wonder what else the person did. And sometimes IMDb has more, sometimes not. It's like a couple days out of their life, maybe they helped out with this thing. And it's like a weird kind of almost immortality. It's just an ephemeral existence that continues beyond your corporeal form. Mm-hmm. So are we ready to rate? I am. Yeah, not a very long episode, but not a very long film. Mercifully, perhaps. <laughs> so, Dan, can you reacquaint us with our rating scale? Sure. So, Is It Good is our signature section, where we each give the movie a rating on our eight-point goodness scale, ranging from very not good, a one out of eight, to our masterpiece rating, Toward a Good, which is an eight out of eight. So, what order should we go in? Should I go first, Brian? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So... I will answer is Chuck E. Cheese in the Galaxy 5000 good. And the answer is that it is not good. But how not good is it? Like, it's it's not divine trash the way that uh, George of the Jungle 2 is. But I was never bored and I was always fascinated. And like, it's just unhinged and compelling and weird. It's not a boring bad. So it it, it immediately escapes two out of eight, which is not good to me. It's like it's right in the realm of not, not good. If I were to say, is this movie not, is this movie good? Well, it's, it's not, not good. It's something, it's a thing. It's not nothing. So I'm going to say that, um, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's barely an hour long. It gets just a little long. It could have been 45 minutes maybe, but, um, I'm going to go ahead and say, on the strength of Dr. Zoom, this is a not, not good movie. Three out of eight. Awesome. That's higher than I was expecting, but I'm glad. I, Dr. Zoom makes it for me as well. Andrew, would you like to weigh in? Um, I feel like I was overly gracious last time. I am blessed to be in the middle this time. Um, I would go with a good-ish there is lots more better Chuck E. Cheese media out there, um, but it is very high production value, very high quality uh, walk-around suits with the eyelids that blank too much, and some mouth clevises in various costumes. Um, I like that there's a blend of walk arounds and face characters i like the cgi but i'm once again not as experienced as y'all um so for that reason i give it a good ish okay four out of eight i'm glad you guys you know got something out of it i am actually going to land at a two out of eight uh it has a lot of like similarities i would say with some of the other things i've brought for consideration like not too long ago we were talking about uh thomas and the magic railroad um this one held me maybe a little more uh a little more wrapped than that one did uh, maybe you're right that it's a little more of like a cohesive it has more of an identity I, although I do want to, I want to hear your thoughts vis-a-vis -vis this compared to Thomas and the Magic Railroad. I'm going to bump this a little over that. 
So I think it can comfortably slot into two. But it's it's obviously at the low budget end. Um, and I got to always bear in mind, like, maybe I did Max Magician dirty, uh, given that a one and that has thrown off my rating since. Maybe that one deserved a two. Uh, but I am I think I'm comfortable this one, too. Now, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, just to follow up, I mean, for me... This one it has the unintentional comedy and just like fun, bizarre weirdness to it. Whereas Thomas and the Magic Railroad tried to be a meaningful story about trains and, and whatever. What was the name of the Peter Fonda character? He had a, he had a good name, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Give me just a second. It was it wasn't Bennett. It was Burnett. Burnett Stone. Yeah. It's like, I don't give crap about Burnett Stone, but if you're showing me like two weirdo German dudes who are also pod racers trying to seduce a chicken. okay, I'm at least like if that's the the main point of the film, you at least have me on a little bit of a hook. It's like got the unintentional trash comedy joy factor in there. And it's also just 60 minutes. So, you know. Not quite as iconic as it's potty time in, in that regard, but it's uh, just a tier below. Yeah, not enough alien sexual tension in Thomas. And uh, so that's our film, guys. Andrew, did you have anything else to add? Uh, any Anything new on the Chuck E. Cheese fan front? I've been far too committed to Lazy Town. I'm sorry. That's okay. Things take up space in your brain and you got to make room. Lazy town. Is that what you said? Like the, we are number one that I was actually going to bring up. Um, there's not zero connections between the, we are number one guy and Dr. Zoom. <laughs> there's at least a little bit of shared DNA there. Yeah. You'll have to dig up something that we could watch related to lazy town, Andrew, and then we can have you back again. Alrighty. Like, maybe we could watch Lottie Bear. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, Afrom Lottie Bear? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, they, well, there were a couple of them, right? Uh, you know more about it than I do, but uh, the Lottie Bears were the original Icelandic stage shows, which served as a uh, proof of concept that he then, like, pitched to Nickelodeon. So they're uh -huh. in Icelandic. They're not in English. But they're available online. So if sometime, Dan, you're ready to watch Icelandic stage shows with... Uh, actually, most of the puppets are portrayed by people in those. Interesting. Sounds like it would be quite a plunge. <laughs> Give it another year. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's cool our jets for just a, at least a couple weeks. You know, you gotta, like, dilute. You can't just take it straight from the bottle. You gotta water it down i respect that so on that note we've wrapped 125 episodes dan and i think it is good to do our spectaculars once a year instead of every six months but uh just here at this checkpoint how are you feeling yeah i'm still uh i mentioned a couple episodes like trying to get my my mojo and my motivation back and I'm still feeling that a little bit. I'm starting to get back into the swing of things. I've had a pretty good writing output the past few days, which feels good. Um, in general, these six months, 
I feel like we've had a pretty good, interesting balance of different types of movies and glad to have some some guests on. And uh, our listeners have been spiking up. I mean, when we got our big interview with Jason Coolis, the star of After Last Season, um, that got us well over 100 listeners, which is like much more than we normally do. So that was pretty exciting. And just glad to be doing it every week and, and to have a little bit of variety, but also I like it when we have things that tie together too. So something that keeps me always uh, pushing my outer boundary of, of, of what I'm watching. But what about you, Brian? Yeah. You know, I, as always, I'm glad to be consistently doing this once a week. Uh, it was a very positive presence in my life, particularly when we started in fall of 2020. When, you know, we were in the, the bleak pandemic times. And I don't know, I feel like at a certain point, I've kind of always got like a background radiation level of funk. Um, and so this this helps. Uh, it just helps. You know, it's good to have this each week. Um, things on the horizon that you're looking forward to uh, as far as the podcast goes and otherwise. Well, I know we have movies about movies theme month that we've kind of teased and done our backdoor pilot into. And then this next six months, we will get into spooky season. So um, I, I don't know exactly when we'll hit 150. I think it'll probably be after spooky season, which means we've had a little bit of attrition on the one a week, but that's just, you know, just I think sometimes we'll do a 10-day gap instead of a 7-day gap, not because we've been skipping a lot or whatever, but that's always fun. I've been kind of uh, trying to collect. I don't do horror big time, as you know, so I've been trying to collect those. And my birthday is a month away, and I have big plans for my birthday, Brian. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the summer. Uh, just yesterday, I wrapped out the semester that I've been doing, so got to be you know, doing some work, but also we'll have this theme month coming up with the movies about making movies. Got some good picks for that. Of course, I got a big backlog for spooky season ideas. Um, so stay tuned, listeners. What about you, Andrew? Uh, how have your last six months been? And what do you think in the next six months will look like? Um, well, my past six to 12 months have been not too different all throughout it's been lots of driving safaris the hours have been going up lately getting back to 11 hour shifts five days a week which is good for considering i don't make all that much money it's, it's been good but as i said i do get to transfer technically once a year within the company so i could go to pretty much wherever i want to and so I haven't thought too much about that yet because I haven't hit that yet, but I've got the world before me, the most magical world on earth. That's, that's pretty awesome. I assume you've been pretty tuned into the whole political drama around your, your neck of the woods. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Um, it sounds like, Nothing's really going to change, which is what I figured kind of from the start. Um, but yes, most certainly. And you still haven't run into Kay Panabaker at Animal Kingdom, right? I have not, and I don't know how. Um, 
because I've seen the vets that are on the Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom, the show on Disney Plus. I don't think she's in that at any point. I haven't watched the whole second season, but I have not laid eyes on her. Interesting. But I know people that have apparently met her. So soon. I'll let you know when I do. Cool. Listeners will yep. recall perhaps that <laughs> something like two years ago we watched what read it and weep, right, Brian? That's correct. And it stars two sisters, and one of those sisters had a bad experience in Hollywood and just bailed on Hollywood and became a zoo vet and works at Disney World, which we discovered and our minds were kind of blown by when uh, we were researching that movie. And now Andrew works there. And the other one was in Sky High, which was later, right? I think so, yeah. She kept acting. Uh, I haven't even seen Sky High. I'm a big Disney fan, but well, maybe that's what we'll watch next time you're around. <laughs> Keep generating ideas, and we'll we'll check out something. I can't promise anything, Whoopi. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. that's a classic <laughs> yeah. Pee Wee's Christmas special <laughs> reference. Oh, nice! I might be able to squeeze you in two years from now. Well, we've been glad to have you here today, Andrew. It's always yes, fun. Thank you for bringing me back. Glad we could line this up with a day when you're not working. Uh-huh. And here for episode 125. Here's to many more ahead. And we hope you will join us again, listeners, here on The Goods. What will we be discussing next, Dan? Yeah, so in this little period from when we've announced our next theme month, but uh, haven't quite kicked it off yet. I have a couple of like items in the backlog I want to churn through that I've been wanting to do for a while. Some of them have actually been on my list since we started the pod. I still have a couple of those when I've been waiting for a moment when I uh, there's nothing else that's been really calling to me. Um, one idea that I've had that I haven't quite been able to formulate and I'm also not going to do just because we've had a lot of multi-movie episodes right now is come up with like a, a combo platter of movies that are about the end of high school and because I have like a bazillion of those that I have a lot of thoughts on and I really enjoy watching those but I don't know how many is fair to force upon Brian so I'll reflect on that a little bit further we still have I think another month or so before it is even graduation season I would say well I I think for every magic railroad and galaxy 5000 you get to fire back with uh, a Dan movie yeah dazed and confused (laughs) but I am going to do the teen comedy route, but it's it's not an end of school year one. And this is one that I toyed with picking, I think, back like episode six or something like that. Um, and this one is a very bizarre. Maybe it's bizarre. I don't know. We, we can decide if it's bizarre. Teen comedy called Trojan War, Brian. This is a fairly forgotten comedy from I think it's 1997. And it stars Will Will Friedle of Boy Meets World and also Jennifer Love Hewitt. So we who you may recall as one of the bells from the uh, Christmas carols in the previous episode. That was the Frasier one, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this movie Trojan War 1997 will be our, our next selection, Brian. All right. I'm ready. Hope you're ready to listeners. Join us again. And thanks for stopping by, Andrew. Thank you for having me.
Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.